0: Hi, everybody welcome to a new episode of two drunk fans it has been nearly a month since our last episode we really have to apologize between the two of us i think gab has had work all over the country literally and i have been moving in the nightmare move from hell so hello everyone <laughs> we both emerged out the other side and we're still alive has anything we're happened we're still
1: alive and very very much looking forward to where we are in the the season i think and uh, what what we can talk about at this point. So there's a ton of crap we can talk
0: about. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: real fast, uh, what's up with Boston?
0: Oh, I thought you were asking in general about the city and I was like, I don't know, it's like about 69 (laughs) degrees, fair, not too cloudy. (laughs) (laughs) This
1: is gonna, this is gonna be an awesome episode.
0: Tom Durkin got fired, and, like, within five minutes, I received at least two messages saying ding-dong, the witch is dead. Did he get,
1: did he get fired, or did he step down to focus on the development?
0: Did he resign, or was he given the opportunity to resign before he got, you know,
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we all know, we all know what that's like, um. Yeah, you know, we had that experience over here with Sydney Parlocone. At least you've got a little bit of satisfaction. I mean, the Breakers are going to start the coaching hunt. Can you, can you think of any good prospects?
0: I think the front runners right now, not knowing who else they're looking at. If you look within the system, where they're going to be Cat Whitehill and the assistant coach, Doc. Now, Doc is seems like a really great guy, and everything I've heard about him and everything I've seen seems to indicate that he's, at the very least in tune with the players and they like and respect him now as for his tactical acumen he can't do worse
1: (laughs) it's really awesome when your bar is so freaking low
0: well i mean literally nobody else can do worse unless they finish last two seasons in a row instead of eighth and ninth two seasons in a row that's your bar just get the just get the team into the middle of the pack not even playoff contention just move them up well, into about you, fifth place.
1: You you wanna you wanna be fighting for playoffs. Yeah, you wanna be
0: fighting for play. You wanna look like you could, but <laughs> you don't have to.
1: So you said Cat Whitehill and Doc. Uh huh. Right. Yep. I have a third name to add to that list.
0: <sighs> Who is it?
1: A a coach that actually does a pretty good job of making your team look like they could potentially make it to playoffs, and that would
0: be Paul Riley. People have already said this. I don't know why you would wish that on me like
1: <laughs> he He fulfills exactly what you just said. He could make it appear like the team could make it to playoffs.
0: Don't use my own words against me. <laughs> it's just <laughs> stop rubbing salt in the like no, thank you, but you know what he would you he know, would be
1: so much closer to his wife over there.
0: What if Paul Riley did come to Boston and ended up like getting them into the playoffs? What if be... What if he brought Leanne Sanderson with him and she came back to Boston and it was uh, not that awkward because right everybody else has left. Um, <laughs>
1: everybody, I like it. Everybody else, everybody left. else who um, might
0: cause you know uh, drama. Sure, we'll go with that word. Um,
1: the drama llama has left the building. Yeah.
0: And then Leanne comes back, and we have someone who can act more as a 10 and connect through Mewis and McCaffrey, and hopefully Kaya Simon wasn't forever, you know, put off of Boston by this experience.
1: So, well, you know, Kaya Simon, we will talk a little bit about her later on. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, I actually think it's kind of a funny idea, like not funny... As in radical, but funny. As in, like, oh my god, it could actually work. Because one of the things that made Paul Riley really successful in Philadelphia was he didn't have an all-star team. That's true. He had he had a team that he had to make believe in themselves, right? Yeah, they were like, a little scrappy. He had a team that that he had like the Sandlot. And he had to, like, motivate them and make them believe in themselves, and, and they did really well. Whereas in Portland, he had the fucking Yankees, you know? And he couldn't figure out why are the Yankees, like, not talking to each other? What is this chemistry issue? Well, it's because you've got a bunch of, you know, personalities on the team that unless you can actually corral them and get them on the same page, they all want to do their own thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's and that's never going to be successful, and so I wonder if Paul Riley would actually be successful in Boston, um, or at least more successful. Or who the
0: fuck knows if Paul Riley even wants to coach at this level anymore? Maybe he's going to go back into an academy system.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what he's still doing in Long Island. Well, still,
0: he still has his whole his whole club thing going. And I think he's probably a little bit better at drafting than Tom Durkin is. Do you do you really think because I think no he got I I'm not saying like... he's good I'm saying he's a little oh, bit better bit better yeah okay consider we we picked five people we signed one Steph Verdoya, and then Verdoya promptly went to the reserves and saw like three games with the Breakers
1: I I bet you Tom also has a little bit more or not I'm sorry not Tom uh Paul has a little bit more bargaining skills uh huh. And so could potentially make some, some other uh, trades happen. But, you know, he's also said that um, he could make some other trades happen. Because he said in Portland, you know, nobody wants to trade with Portland. Um, <laughs> because Portland is Portland. Like, who the fuck wants to trade with the Yankees when there's no money actually on the table? Uh-huh. You know, you give him Boston, and suddenly he he has more options. He has more freedom.
0: All I'll say is this, I swear to God, if he tries to trade, if anyone tries to trade Cassie Coleman, I will burn that soccer field to the ground. But it's plastic. That would smell bad.
1: It would just get nice and melty. It would get nice and melty, just like the World Cup fields in the summertime. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Boston lost Durkin. Portland is announced uh, this week on a conference call, Gavin Wilkinson, that uh, he announced that Paul Riley is out of contract and that they're going to spend the next few months uh, reevaluating the situation. And I'm just like, well, that's really going to suck for the incoming coach. Like, if you're going to spend the next couple months figuring out if you want Paul to stay and then you say no, like around Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Around Christmas time, you and Paul part ways, and then you find a new coach in, like, January, February. They have zero
0: time to actually prep for the season. Yeah, they got to go right into the draft, and then get preseason. You know what, though? I wonder how much of that is just stuff you say to the press to save face because Paul O'Reilly's actually already out.
1: Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And so they're saving face because they don't have a new coach to announce. And so it's the exact same situation, though. Oh my god, we didn't even ask, what are you drinking?
0: No, we just jumped right in, because it's been so long. We don't have time to dilly-dally with the central concept of the show.
1: (laughs) Dilly-dally.
0: Gab, Gab, what are you drinking?
1: Hold on, I'm making my drink. Stop giggling. I am drinking a mimosa. Ah, shit, that's what I want. I got, I got a little Blanc de Blanc that I'm mixing with a little uh, OJ, a uh-huh. medium pulp. I like a little bit of pulp, but I'm not like a, oh my god, somebody put an orange in a blender you know, and passed it my way
0: sort I, of pulp. I like mimosas because they're tasty and refreshing, but I can't have champagne. Because of the bubbles? No, because it makes my body feel weird as it processes it. Like a couple hours later or like that night as I try to fall asleep. It feels like my bones are aching from the inside out. It's like my body can't process the grapes. I don't know. Your body probably can't process the sugars. Maybe. I am drinking a shipyard pumpkin head. It's now technically fall in Boston because the pumpkin flavored beers are out. I think they're out in Portland, too. I've never been a fan of pumpkin beer, so they can vary they can either be like too subtle or way too sweet or too strong but shipyard pumpkin head i think hits a good balance
1: i'm not a huge like i like pumpkin pie
0: love and i like
1: and i like that pumpkin flavor i don't like that pumpkin flavor in other things
0: that's fine yeah sometimes your tongue knows what it wants
1: it does it does my palate is very particular.
0: I have a particular palate. I know you like tacos, I do. especially. I absolutely. There's a good place nearby that you I, I do. go too often.
1: I do like tacos, and I actually want to uh, to extend an invitation. Um, I've been contacted by the Riveters to extend an invitation to anyone coming out to Portland for the NWSL Championship. The Riveters have been working with a couple of local bars near the stadium to establish them as kind of, quote, home bars uh, for the traveling sports groups coming out here with their teams for the championship. But they also want to have a kind of like a a just night to gather and network and all that jazz. and so there are going to be two bars uh, that are going to be involved either on Wednesday night or the Friday. One is going to be Kells in Northwest, uh, which is a really good like Irish-themed bar. It's about four blocks away from the stadium. And the other one is Uno Mas, which you brought up tacos. Um, is a really good taco bar that is almost right across the street from the stadium and so for those people who are planning to come out to portland uh please pay attention to what the riveters are putting out over the next couple weeks or i should say the next week or so because i believe there's going to be like a welcome to portland packet that they're going to be posting online as well as the information about the meetups on both wednesday and friday um Kind of these two bars have been picked out to serve as a guest supporter group home bases, be it Washington, Chicago, FCKC, or Seattle. We hope to, to be good hosts and uh, set you guys up with, with some really good bars that um, are huge fans of both the Thorns, the Riveters, and NWSL in general. So you guys don't have to have to do the legwork. So, so thank you for that awesome segue. Yeah, you just followed your tongue. I followed the conversational flow.
0: <laughs> well, here's where the conversation wants to go next, because we're talking N.W.L. and playoffs, the semifinals, and you mentioned the 14th yes. internet rain, Red Stars, Kansas City, Washington Spirit, Red Stars versus FC Casey, Rain versus Spirit. Who do you think's gonna make it to the finals? Uh,
1: so I would have said FC Casey for the Chicago-Kansas City uh, matchup, but Chicago's been looking pretty good. Like, I thought they were kind of dwindling toward the end of the season and just kind of like... They played Hungry Hungry Hippos on points during the World Cup so well that they had such a grand lead that... I thought they were just like a shoe in for playoffs, and then they like started getting some draws, and then they started getting some wins, and I was just like, "Wow, I, I think I think Chicago can beat C. Casey, Although C. Casey has a lot to play for because this is like Lauren Holiday's last, potentially last match. I'm gonna go
0: Chicago though. I think Chicago can do it. I think it's gonna be tight. I think i'm gonna edge fckc over chicago but just barely tomorrow i could wake up and think mm, no red stars that's how much i i am not wanting to pick between these two yeah i'm i'm gonna
1: commit to uh chicago right now i'm gonna say it's gonna
0: be two to one chicago okay in sure. extra time in extra time oh uh but between rain and spirit I think i'm gonna call it for the rain i'm really sorry spirit (sighs) i want the spirit to win i would love to see a spirit red stars final but i think it's gonna be rain i agree unfortunately i agree
1: and it hurts it hurts me and my soul
0: i know i think the rain Um... i think they're gonna overpower the spirit in the midfield and then through maybe some flank play and i think it's gonna be like three two or three one
1: See, so a couple of things are going against the Spirit. Um, Seattle is undefeated at home. So I think that that's a huge boost to the rain. And also the Spirit are traveling without Allie Krieger, um, who made the decision to uh, skip the match so that she can be in her father's wedding, which it, it sounds like is not a decision that she's really made before. But we... <clears throat> there's there's a lot of, asked of professional athletes and and at some points they they ask for time off and for for personal things as well so um I, I think that's a blow to the spirit uh I think that flank play um and getting beat the midfield is is going to be a bit of a result of of not having a key player there as well
0: yeah Allie Krieger is important to the spirit but weddings are planned in advance and I think at the point they looked at the standings and were like, we're probably going to be in the playoffs, Mark Parsons was like, yeah, uh, I need to plan for this because, you know what? I understand someone picking family first. I I just don't, I literally don't understand the hair pulling that is going on over this, but like, there's some kind of disconnect going on between me and the people who are concerned about it. I think if you say that Alec krieger should be at that semi that's a valid position to have because you're just weighting things differently than she does and mm-hmm. if you value one thing more than the other i don't necessarily think that's wrong i'm just saying i understand her valuation of the situation and i don't see why people are like her father's a soccer coach he should understand or like they they knew the scheduling and it's like but it, her dad's getting married she loves her father and she loves her father more than the she loves you know the the team or the semis and if that offends your notion of being a, a fan of the spirit then that's fair i think that's totally fair but i think it's also fair to understand alec krieger's position on this i just don't understand like the not understanding part does the, the, he- the hemming and the hawing and and all that jazz it's it should be a simple concept you can feel however you want to feel about it but the actual concepts of what's going on here i think they're fairly concrete yeah, I I don't I don't see anything not
1: professional about what's going on, and it's not like you know, Allie is is skipping to go to a photo shoot for Nike or something yeah. like that. You or know, even... she's she's weighed her per professional job, and she said, you know, I really need to go to this personal engagement. I I would be hemming and hawing if if she were doing a money making photo shoot somewhere or had a speaking engagement or something like that but she didn't like this is this is a wedding of her father it's it's yeah. a pretty big deal to her and to her family and I'm happy that she has such a relationship with the Washington Spirit organization that they are also taking this in stride and putting a you know positive backing behind it
0: It's not even, you know, some cousin or even her brother or sister or a sibling's wedding. It's like father's wedding. Father. Yeah. So, yeah, I I understand that it's a very, it's not just a wedding. It is a very special wedding. I guess that's my position on it. So I don't think we're necessarily going to change anybody's mind on it because you feel how you feel about, you know, the balance of between duty to team, duty to family.
1: Sure, sure. And <clears throat>
0: if you think Allie Krieger uh,
1: not being at this game it means that the Spirit have thrown in the towel for the match, like I still think it's going to be a hell of a match. Oh yeah. Um, it's I'm I'm actually going up there tomorrow for for this match, and there are like eight of us from Portland doing this, and just because we we all think it's just going to be such a good showdown. Uh, between the two squads. I think... um, the the other thing to keep in mind, too, though, is the Spirit were very close to hosting the playoff match. Um, and so part of me wonders, you know, would things have played out differently had the match been in D.C.?
0: That's true. There were a lot but of factors. But who knows? Who knows? I think people do have a point in that it's unfortunate. <clears throat> it kind of plays into the image of national teamers maybe not supporting the league as much as they should have. But I think it's just an unfortunate coincidence this time.
1: I I agree. I think that Allie Krieger has done a pretty good job of supporting the league, supporting her team, making a lot of public appearances, kind of doing a lot of the off the clock work required of professional athletes, especially female athletes. And so to not allow her and to be to have this time, to not be gracious and you know, afford her this opportunity to participate in a huge family event is, it's just kind of petty. Um, Yeah, I said it,
0: I said it. And for the record, I would treat a man skipping a match to go to his father's wedding exactly the same way. Totally. Now, do men skip sporting events to go to events like this? I have no idea. They've been known to skip games for like the birth of their children, which I think is about a commensurate level of family importance.
1: Yeah, I do not see anything wrong with it. I do, however, uh, think that that's just additional bonus points for Laura Harvey.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure Laura Harvey saw the tweets coming out of that press conference and was like, Oh, Mark. Oh, Mark. And then, you know, gave herself a little high five and looked at her uh, whiteboard with a field on it and started moving her (laughs) chess pieces. Yep, she started going,
1: huh, okay, this is good. Thank you, thank you. Uh, who asked the
0: question? Bo Duer, As a yeah, joke. Yeah, As a joke, he asked the question, because last year they revealed Lisa Devana wasn't going to travel. He's like, oh, what is this? You know, I just asked this year <laughs> a Well, it wasn't a joke, Bo. It wasn't a fucking joke.
1: Yeah, way to show Mark's hand to Laura fucking Harvey. Like, Okay, so they're not the, going to have Trigger. The, the coach that can actually, ugh, ugh so
0: painful the they're not gonna have Krieger but I think if Christine Nairn and Diana Matheson are strong in the midfield the game's still open
1: yeah um I haven't really
0: seen like a lot of strong D math though she is still coming back in the press call she said she's still recovering she's not 100 percent yeah so that's a huge if maybe she will will step up and have a few of
1: her Uh, classics, um, we all know that, uh, Naren can
0: score on Hope
1: Solo from distance on set pieces, so maybe the Spirit can get lucky there. The Spirit also have Crystal fucking done.
0: Yes, they do have Crystal fucking done.
1: I'm not feeling too bad for the Spirit. I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I don't think it's gonna be the USA playing Haiti. I think it's gonna be a Galazzo. I think we're gonna see a few of those uh so i'm actually gonna go with four three
0: rain oh boy i think it's gonna be tighter than that until later in the second half and maybe the rain will open it up a little bit after the 70th and i'm i think i'm gonna stick with three one possibly three two
1: okay yeah okay so so we've got we've got both of those locked and loaded We will definitely podcast again before the finals, so we don't even need to talk about that at this point. I have thoroughly enjoyed this NWSL season, aside from the Thorns' performance and record and basically anything that has to do with the Thorns. I have loved the growth in attendance, the push uh, via Fox to kind of get more viewership out of some of these matches. Um...
0: I, I think I think it's been a pretty, pretty good year. I think it was a great year too. Attendance noticeably spiked thanks to the World Cup, and I, it didn't super fall off too much. I mean, it fell off in ways that we were expecting, but a lot of teams got noticeable boosts. Every team, and as Jeff Plush pointed out, that's every team, top to bottom of the table, got the boost, which is great especially for some teams who have had some smaller audiences, Sky Blue, um, and could use the boost.
1: Yeah, everybody, everybody actually showed a positive in percent like growth of attendance, except for one team. One team was actually in the negative, and the one team that would actually showed as a negative was Western New York Flash. Their average attendance went down by 10%. Between fourteen and fifteen, um, every other team in the league showed a increase and a pretty significant increase. If you're looking at teams like Houston, Chicago, and Kansas City, that all showed a forty percent plus increase in attendance. I think that's all. That's all good stuff. I don't really have a lot of negatives. Uh, I would well, I mean, the negatives are all like one-offs. You know, I would love more reliable web streams. I would love a TV deal that lasts a whole season and doesn't just pick up for the last, like, third of a season. It doesn't
0: doesn't even need to cover every game. It just needs to cover, like, one game a week. That would be great. Yeah, the NWSL game of the week. Yep, just consistently on TV every week for the whole season.
1: Yep, and unfortunately, it's probably going to be teams that have the infrastructure in their stadiums already because it costs a lot of money to broadcast from um, stadiums that you know aren't fit for national TV. There's there's always going to be that that worry that clause in there. But, you know, hopefully these attendance figures mean that teams have a bit more maybe in the bank to go shopping for better facilities, Chicago, to maybe try to grow uh, coverage within their own within their own hometown. But you had an interesting conversation or you put out an interesting interview with, with uh, the commissioner,
0: uh, Plush.
1: Is he the commissioner or yeah, he's the lead is commissioner.
0: he something else? No, he's league commissioner
1: Jeff Plush league commissioner jeff Plush, you put out an interesting article uh or from a conversation you had with league commissioner jeff plush where he talked about expansion and it's interesting to talk about expansion and not have it be february
0: it's interesting to talk about expansion and for him to say whether in 16 17 or 18 expansion will will happen that is a fairly broad window for him to give himself some wiggle room when we're trying to pin it down and be like are you expanding next year
1: yeah but i i think that that is also
0: giving him flexibility oh yeah um, yeah at this point he's not going to come out and say yes we have spoken to these three or four teams and we will expand in 2016 blah, blah 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 he's not going to say that
1: right He's he's not going to say that and who knows if 2016 is going to be an expansion year because we're dealing with another huge international competition.
0: Well, the thing is, though, he framed it as scheduling for the Olympics and expansion conversations are two different concerns, and he's not seeing them overlapping in his conversations. He is considering expansion separate from that. I think there's pluses and minuses to expanding in an Olympic year, because like, once again, you get that nice little boost of attention. It's not the same as the World Cup, because it's the Olympics or so much else going on. But if the United States women get gold again, then yes, there's going to be another little boost and that could help for an expansion team. But on the other hand, a brand new team with no basis, like no base, how well are they really going to do with that boost when they don't have any history in the league and they may not, you know, all they're going to have is their, their national team allocations.
1: Yeah, that's that's a concern I have too for some of the teams, some of the markets that are being brought up, uh, Orlando being one of them. Orlando's really new to MLS. um, And I know that the talks with Orlando are pretty well known that the, the league is is talking to them. And so I'm really intrigued by that market. Um, You know, if MLS is new, obviously there was a movement to bring the team there, but it's, it's one of those things. It's like, what's your women's market? What what is that going to be like? You know, don't yeah. you want to wait and see how your men's team does? Um, because I don't think they've been killing it in the ticket sales area.
0: You know, and given Orlando's kind of social media gaffes early before the season started that were not super women friendly, you'll remember. Right. Right. Um, and maybe some supporters group action which I will not impute to everybody who supports Orlando. That's totally unfair. But I think there was just some stuff going on early that was like, ooh, is this fan base going to be full of like backward snapbacks bros who are only interested in beer and objectifying women? Like is that is that who we are and what we want to be? Is that something that we necessarily want to bring to a women's league or mhm so yeah, I yeah. think there's legitimate concerns I, about the fan the fan base down there and the actual support you could get because it's not an established MLS team. It wouldn't be like, you know, if the Fire suddenly part- partnered up the Red Stars or the Revs coming in or, you know, a more established team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it we're we're certainly there are a lot of unknowns in that area. But, you know, it it is big money. It, it is big. it is hopefully, you know, a team that that can support uh growing this league and, and growing uh the competitive levels within it
0: i think instead of orlando i prefer to maybe see yeah i think uh, i prefer to see instead like salt lake city or possibly like dallas come into the league mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm still waiting for an la team mia Hamm is on the board of lafc so yeah so you'd have a built-in you know, advocate hopefully
1: Maybe, maybe that's the 2018 number that that plush is throwing out there. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe. But how cool is this?
1: We are talking about year four.
0: Yeah, year four expanding to ten teams, having not lost a single team in all three seasons. Instead of talking about year four having shrunk down to five teams and limping, indeed, like and trying to hold on desperately. How the tables right? Have turned. Right. This is. This is the exact
1: opposite of 2011.
0: It's actually almost literally the exact opposite. Instead of shrinking to five, we're talking about growing to 10, double the team. right?
1: Right? We're, we're talking about growing to 10. We're seeing we're actually seeing attendance numbers similar to 2011 though. The only difference is in WPS, the attendance numbers shrink to what we're seeing now. and in WSL, the numbers have grown. To what we're seeing now
0: yeah that's a good um point.
1: so so i definitely am like super super jazzed and super excited about your fours five six i still think nwsl 2.0 needs to happen at some point um we need to start setting better standards across the league and hopefully uh some of the stability that's been proven over the last three years you know teams can take that to the bank
0: yeah me too i think We'll really see NWSL 2.0 when we hit certain benchmarks. Like, I don't think it'll be every team at least breaks even, maybe. But I think it'll look something like a better broadcast deal, like we mentioned Game of the Week. Um, maybe I, I much would love to see centralized marketing. Centralized marketing, uh, increased league-wide sponsorship. Yeah. More than just mangoes. Oh my god, that should be a tagline. More than just mangoes. More than just mangoes? I think that might offend our current sponsor, the National Mango Board, who we'd maybe want to keep on our side. No, not, not the NWSL. Our
1: tagline More than just mangoes. We're more than just mangoes? Oh, I am so much
0: more than just mangoes. Well, with the end of the season, also comes the next two friendlies for the women's national team. And there's been so much going on around this because of the Matildas' strike against Football Federation Australia. But I think there's two things we really need to cover. One is the... well, three things. One is the strike, two is our new opponent, Haiti, and three is Crystal Dunn got added to the roster. Chris, Crystal Dunn? Who is who is this player? Uh, she's some is kid she... in the league who I guess has been doing okay and, you know, with the Olympics coming we... up.
1: I, 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 part of me wishes that Crystal Dunn being added to the roster wasn't newsworthy. That it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, she's, she deserved it. Awesome. But it is newsworthy because she got snubbed for the World Cup and then turned around and had a fan-fucking-tastic season with the NWSL. And so it totally is newsworthy. And it's one of those things that's like, would the spirit be where they are now uh, if they, if they didn't have Crystal, if she went to the World Cup. Um, but I think it's it's hugely uh, well-deserved um, to get the call-up. I hope, I hope Jill Ellis plays her in all 10 positions, even 11. <laughs> Play her in all 11 positions, and I swear to God, she's going to walk away with, like, five goals total from the
0: two matches. She'll be in as goalkeeper, and she'll score from the 18-yard box into the other goal. Yeah,
1: Uh, she will she will run up and she will have a Michelle Betos. Oh, OK, sure. She will she will Betos all over Haiti.
0: Yeah, Crystal Dunn, her situation, it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, if she hadn't been left off the roster, she might not have had this great season. She would have just rode the pine the whole time in, in Canada, maybe saw like one game in group. And my thing is, yes, it's newsworthy. She got added to their roster, especially this early. But was there ever really any expectation once Jill said we have to look at these games as preparation for Olympic qualifying that somehow Crystal Dunn wasn't going to get called up at some point? I think everybody had like a 99% expectation. Yes, at some point in this victory tour, Crystal Dunn will get added to the roster. I think the surprise is that it happened this soon.
1: Well, the surprise is that it happened this soon and she is the only one.
0: Yeah, she's the only one, and I wonder if it's because it's Haiti. Like, if it had been Uh, Australia, if Jill had been like, nope, we're going to stick to World Cup roster only.
1: Yeah, that's, that's that's a really good question. I wonder how timing works, because Jill, you would imagine that Jill would have to set the roster and contact the players and, like, get things in moving toward that direction, like, four or five days before the roster is actually announced. You know, it's not like Jill is pushing send on that, and that's how players find out they've made the squad. But this whole Australia going on, the Australian players going on strike, and actually formally canceling their tour in the U.S., and the U.S. like floundering a little bit and trying to find a backup to them. I wonder if the roster was set before they figured out it was going to be Haiti.
0: Yeah, that'd be interesting to know what the timing of it all was and what influenced what decisions. Well, I I think the the whole bit
1: with the Matildas and um, what they're striving for and what they're trying to accomplish with with you know continued negotiations about their collective bargaining uh, agreement is they're just trying to make it so that you can play soccer and not have to work you know two part time jobs to support yourself. So, you know, it's definitely needed. It's definitely worth it. Um, and I, I actually, I don't know. I, I kind of like that it's shaking things up, that's making U.S. soccer go, well, fuck, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And the fact that Haiti is the team that we're playing in their place um, cracks me up. Why? Absolutely cracks me up. Why? Just because you would think that the teams would be chomping at the bit. Well, maybe not chomping at the bit, but you would think that there would be a whole host of CONCACAF teams that could come together. And the fact that Haiti is the one that can organize and get here and be ready to go in like a week is amazing to me.
0: I wonder if it's because the majority of the team is currently together. I don't know if they are, but a lot of them play for FC Indiana under Shek Borkowski kind of get regular Mm -hmm. time and, you know, good training in the States. So I wonder if that's what it is. Instead of having to recall everyone from their clubs and maybe from overseas. Like if it were Canada, they've got some overseas players like Sophie Schmidt, who's in Germany. And can they call her back in the middle of her season for like on a week's notice? I don't know if they can.
1: Right. They don't want to go
0: in under strength against the United States and potentially get maybe embarrassed a little bit. Right,
1: and you know you have a lot of Canadian players actually playing in these playoff matches,
0: yeah, that too, in so... the n
1: w s l um and not that that's something necessarily to take into account, but it also seems to me like John Herdman's not really a a fly by the see or pants type guy.
0: no, if this is not part of Herdman's plan for playoffs and then off season with the national team, if it interrupts any of his carefully scheduled whatever process, then yeah, I could see him going no thanks right i would love to have like
1: i would love to read those emails or like (laughs) listen to what those voicemail what voicemails were from us soccer being like so um what are you doing in a week fell through do do you do you want to get together for for a little pickup
0: (laughs) just a friendly wait
1: (laughs) It's just our victory tour, you know, celebrating our, our World Cup championship. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just going to be on TV. Do uh, you, guys, you guys think you could, you could do it?
0: I understand the reasons why the Australians withdrew. They had every right to go on strike to demand actual living conditions. Not just better, but living conditions from their federation. Here's what they, they got paid 500 per international game. And then in the world, American dollars or 500? I think it's Australian, Australian, which is mm-hmm. what, like four something American. And then they got $500 oh. per group stage game, the World Cup. And they were going to get 600 per round of 16 and 750 for for quarterfinal. And then, you know, they didn't go to a semis final. So we don't need to talk about that. And then they would have gotten $1,500 for the final of a World Cup. If I'm reading this correctly, there's an article at the women's game that breaks this down. It's a really good article. If I'm reading this correctly, that's what they. And so, over the past six months, if they'd gotten all that, they would have gotten about 10 grand in a World Cup year. For winning the whole thing. I think so. And they were on national team duty for, it says 154 out of a possible 182 days. And they would have gotten paid 10 grand for that. Which would mm-hmm. which breaks down to four hundred dollars a week, which you can live on that, but not very well, and not if you're a professional athlete who needs to train full time. Who needs to train full time? Who needs to really be putting
1: good food and good like resources into your body?
0: Yeah, and that's apparently less than Australian minimum wage. If they were getting four hundred a week, Australian minimum wage is about six hundred and fifty a week. Yeah, so,
1: so good, good on the Matildas for, for striking. It's unfortunate that it came to that, that they couldn't just come to an agreement um, the traditional way. But sometimes, you know, you, you need to make your voices heard. And this is a really uh, painful way of doing it um, for the players. Uh, I know they're not 100% on the same page about this. Um, there is a, a little bit of controversy on the player side because I believe Lisa Devana crossed the line.
0: Yes, she did. Um, she 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 said in an interview, basically, all I want to do is play soccer. Yeah, it's I think it's pretty short-sighted of her to just be yeah, like, you know, I'm getting but... older and I just want to play so I don't care about this negotiation for the future of all Matildas. That's not what she said, but that is the effect of what she's doing it's
1: it's the effect and she's a captain she was a captain all throughout the world cup
0: yes she is a and
1: she she might be in an okay spot because i i don't know her her economic status um but but she needs to think about
0: the players that are not as well off and they're not asking for a crazy amount of money apparently total contracts right now are 750,000 and they want $1 million instead. So that's an increase of $250,000, which is like Becky Sauerbrunn's salary. Well, Matildas aren't going to play, which is fine. I think everybody understands. I mean, you can at the same time understand why they're not playing and also be disappointed that the quality of their replacement is not as high. And mm-hmm. I think you can at the same time believe that Haiti deserves respect, as a national team and as soccer players and believe that there may be a little unnecessarily rough and going to this game with haiti increases the risk of injury as opposed to going to a game with australia those are not mutually exclusive positions to hold
1: i do think that it's a different tone of a match to play haiti than it is to play australia
0: oh absolutely um it would have
1: been it would have been an awesome match to put on tv uh to play against australia like talk about really upping the ante uh from costa rica but now we're we're actually going the opposite direction i think it's even going to be more of a one-sided uh match and and that's and that's a bit unfortunate
0: you know casual fans or maybe fans in birmingham or detroit who don't get to see the national team they're in for a treat it's but once again it's going to be a game that's purely about entertainment and i think maybe against australia jill ellis was hoping to start her World, uh Olympic qualifying roster search a little bit earlier, but now they're going to have to wait another two games because it it doesn't super indicate much if you beat Haiti, you know, five or six to nothing, which may not necessarily happen. It probably will, but I don't want to rule anything out, you know, what if she, Jill Ellis plays a super experimental lineup and Haiti brings their A game one day and it's a gritty match and you know and they they keep it down to two or three to nothing it could happen it's soccer
1: it, it could happen and the unfortunate thing in that scenario i think would be the us level of play falling off that much so quickly because you have like the reason for this victory tour is to go around the World Cup match and the World Cup team, and so you kind of want the team to be playing at that caliber, like at that level. Oh
0: yeah, definitely. And
1: and so if if we get to a point, you know, what the fuck has Abby been doing for the past like two months? A lot of golf,
0: so much. A golf. lot of golf
1: and some appearances and things of that nature. And if she ha- gets significant playing time um, for these matches, it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty telling. And and to me, you know, the the point of this is to celebrate. It's to hopefully see, you know, this team playing at that caliber.
0: Yeah, if you have a World Cup victory tour, you, the people who come expect more of what they got from the World Cup. So I think that's a fair expectation to have, like, at least the United States are going to be firing on World Cup cylinder levels. For myself, I hope Jill Ellis experiments a little. I hope Lauren Halday gets a lot of time because, you know, she'll be gone soon and I would like to see her play as much as possible before that terrible dark day. Uh, but Crystal Dunn, Crystal Dunn has got to play at least one of these games. I hope she gets a full 90 out of one of these, or at least 45 in one and 45 in another.
1: Yeah, I hope it just doesn't turn into the Crystal Dunn that was, you know, with the national team all 2013 and 14 and she just sat on the bench because she was injured in some way or another like hey seattle let's not break crystal dunn like let's not be chippy and you know let's not have a personal vendetta of some sort just because the announcer said hope solo's number wrong and play a chippy match like let's let crystal Dunn. let's let all these players like get out of that match
0: i think if i were to bet on which of these games would be most likely to cause an injury, I think I would lean towards Haiti. But if Seattle brought, you know, their bag of chips to this semifinal, it could get a little bit studs up.
1: So, I don't, I, I do think that it's it's a good opportunity for Haiti, um, and it would be a better opportunity for them, I think, if it was just like a regular friendly, like, not necessarily the victory tour but i agree with you like a lot of people who are going to be going to these matches probably are looking for goals and things to celebrate but it's also matches like this that get me mad at our records and when we celebrate like breaking records because a lot of goals are going to get scored um throughout the victory tour and it's going to pad people's people's accounts and so when we have a lot of matches like this, it, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of like weakens or waters down the whole like goal number to me.
0: No, it it definitely, for anyone who watches the women's game regularly, it puts an asterisk on, on certain records because yes you might have a lot of goals but if you scored like 50 of them against a team that had no hope in hell of beating you short of you know shackling you down to the turf what does that really mean for your record it, right like, i could have fought 30 people in one, but if 10 of those people were babies <laughs> please don't <laughs> oh boy now you're fighting babies then I'm just a baby puncher I haven't actually (laughs) fought anyone who was on my level
1: yeah it's it's i didn't watch any of the costa rica matches um mainly i wasn't available uh, i i had things going on during those times but i'm i'm not putting a lot of priority on watching these haiti matches i was when it was australia because i thought that would be a competitive match i, I thought it would be interesting to see you know wh- how is australia come back but you know if australia is in disagreement with their federation is in disagreement with each other, you know, that that wouldn't be a good match either. So it's, I, I wish the Victory Tour were against that we could book uh, top tier teams um, to really showcase the good football and the good uh, play that I know the U.S. women are capable of. But unfortunately, that really only comes out when you're playing against Teams probably in the top twelve in in the world.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's fair. And meanwhile, Haiti is sixty-something, which once again. What was Co- what was Costa Rica like? Thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, and they they actually put up a little bit of a fight in the second game. You could see they had started to adjust, and they were yeah. without some important players like Shirley Cruz. Yeah, you. Once again, you can remember that Haiti, small nation, women's team, not a lot of funding, you know, recently devastated by a huge earthquake a couple years ago. So yeah, you can remember all that and acknowledge at the same time that because they're not quite up to the caliber of the United States yet, that it does make for a lopsided match and increases the risk of injury. So that's, that's just the reality of what's happening.
1: I'm I'm not saying that US soccer should have canceled the matches or anything like that. I, I think it's good on them to have found a replacement and and whatnot. I I just I am disappointed that Haiti is the replacement. I never thought it was a possibility that US soccer would cancel the matches. Um as of the time the games like uh were up in the air, they had sold sixty thousand tickets yep. each.
0: And no, no, let's no, say each. that on Total.
1: average each ticket costs Total. thirty dollars. Um, On average, like that is probably very low, but if you have 60,000 tickets sold at $30 a piece, you know, you're looking at almost $1 million in ticket sales. No, more than that. That's 1.8 million. At 30?
0: 60,000 times 30? Yeah,
1: I need to stop drinking mimosas because Mm. I was doing 6 plus 9 times 10. (laughs) Which is how I got to (laughs) 900,000. I was like six plus three is nine, and add another zero no, is nine hundred
0: thousand dollars. That's not how math is arithmetic. I'm, I didn't. I wasn't actually. No. Okay. Trying to do it the short way. The point. Re- um, the point remains. It's a lot of money on the line, and U.S. soccer was never going to cancel.
1: And it sucks for Australia because now they're not going to get any of that money. But
0: it's good for Haiti because they are. Hopefully, they are gonna get a huge chunk of that money especially because yeah, if it was on such short notice i hope whoever it was like took all that leverage and was like so how much this money you gonna give us because we've got like a week to get there make it worth our while well,
1: yeah i'm hoping they they gave them the same terms as australia and then also said and we will provide accommodations and we will provide airfare or something
0: some some nice little bonus for pulling it all together so quickly yeah yeah kudos to haiti for being available what okay so how do you think these two games are going to turn out do you think it's going to be the first game's just a landslide because you know they haven't been preparing for it they're just coming in on a a moment's notice so it's going to be pretty bad and then maybe they'll adjust a little bit for the second game i don't know
1: how much haiti can adjust without parking the bus
0: you know, yeah. like,
1: I, I just, I don't know if they're going to have the legs. I don't know if they're going to have the the technical skills to be able to shift what their game is. And if you go off the Haiti that we've seen in qualifiers, which is or CONCACAF tournaments, which is the only other time that we've seen Haiti, uh, I, I think both matches are going to be a blowout. I think second game, maybe the direction you were headed with that, it, it, it will be a lower scoring game. Um, but i'm I'm gonna go ahead and predict we're gonna hit double digits for the first game and maybe build a snowman the second game.
0: Well, we only beat them six0 in qualifying. Yeah, we were crap in qualifying. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: I'm like not gonna... we were crap at that point in time. And again, this comes back to my expectation of the victory tour world champions and what the us is capable of playing
0: at. If they're firing on all cylinders and Carly Lloyd does her Carly Lloyd thing, yeah, I could see it going to double digits, which would be disheartening for Haiti. But hopefully they're prepared for a worst-case scenario and they're coming into this with their heads up and they're like, Mm -hmm. whatever we get out of this game, we get out of this game and we apply it Mm -hmm. to our game. So hopefully that's... Yep, this,
1: this is a learning experience.
0: Yeah. And then for the second game, yeah, even if they did park the bus... I give the United States offense thirty minutes to a half to crack open that oyster and get the delicious pearl inside. Yeah, I mean, if they park the bus, they're parking the bus for the first,
1: you know, sixty, sixty-five minutes, and then the last twenty is going to be a, a free-for-all.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, I could see that.
1: So, so- um, I I think they're both going to be really high-scoring matches. Um, I could also see Haiti scoring on us. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to be cakewalks or sh- shutouts, just because you know we we do ha- make some pretty big errors on defense, especially when we're so focused on attacking.
0: Yeah, we're, you're pressing high. Your back lines, you know, they're above the halfway line. They're pressing so high. So yeah, a quick counter, a quick look on goal, it could happen. And yep. honestly, good on Haiti if that if they make it happen.
1: Yep, Haiti Haiti has some speed up top, and all it takes is a couple of long balls. And suddenly you're off to the races and, you know, hopefully Becky, uh, is, is in, is in good form, um, <laughs> from coming off the playoff match, but you know, you've got Becky and Julie who are both in the playoffs. You've got Rampone, uh, who could be back there. Um, with Ingen, yeah. You know, Engen who's who you know her team's not in playoffs Uh, so so. you know we 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 have our speed back there but I I do think that that's a threat but I don't think it's a threat to the point where we're like is Haiti gonna is Haiti gonna score you know a lot I think I think there's potential for one or two for Haiti
0: yeah if they pick their head up at just the right moment and and things come together then yeah they could they could Mm -hmm. pull a Costa Rica Mm -hmm. on us well, enjoy it, everybody. Just enjoy the games. Not too much critical thought going on here, except for, you know, on a meta level to discuss what's happening with federations and funding. But on a on a team level, just enjoy it. The, it's still victory tour. It's still party time. And I guess um, Olympic qualifying roster, serious thought, will start with Brazil.
1: I, I hope so. I hope that's when we start seeing Ellis sh- shake up the roster uh, a little bit um try out some different formations um you know i also wonder if what we saw for the world cup is jill ellis's style of getting to a championship level team which means you and i are going to have a lot of frustrating uh
0: conversations (laughs) over the next nine months yeah we'll see we shall see thanks everyone for sticking with us we know it was a long time in between episodes things happen as this victory tour picks up and playoffs are going, we'll definitely have more episodes for you.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll do our best to put together a, uh, maybe a little Two Drunk Fans something-something around the NWSL final.
0: Yeah, if you're in Portland for the playoffs, um, it's looking pretty good. Like, there's going to be a get-together the night before the game. Uh, there might be some people there that you've heard on the show before uh we'll see it could be a surprise we should just we should just live broadcast from my apartment with everybody Periscope, staying here we should just periscope it
1: yeah yeah we'll we'll just do that you can wear the gopro and we'll just hook it up to the internet
0: yeah